want to help a dog find a forever home? Ever consider fostering? We've got Morgan Salisbury from Wayside Waves on the show to talk all things fostering. All that and more today on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Dave Shapiro. And I'm Sierra Howe, and welcome to the program. We're coming to you from the room we call the Fishbowl here at PRCKC. We are a nonprofit organization whose goal is to keep pets and people together through supportive services for folks who are in need. And coming up on the 27th of February, we got some supportive services for folks in need in KC Mo from 9 a.m. to noon at Guadalupe Centers at 5201 East Truman. Uh, $35 full set of vaccinations for dogs six months or older. That's rabies, DA2PP, and Bordetella. $25 full set of vaccinations for adult cats six months or older. That's FVRCP and rabies. Do you need more info? Check out our Facebook page. And this is the first one we're doing at Guadalupe Center, so it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Super exciting. So if you live in the area, make sure to come out. We want to see you and your pet, and we want to make sure that they stay vaccinated. Just because it's a little cold outside, they're mm. indoors. That doesn't mean anything. Yep, yep, yep. Somebody comes over of. to your house with a pet, or you take a trip to Petco, there could be a, a pet there that's not vaccinated, and it gets transmitted that way. So we just want to make sure mm-hmm. all pets, puppies, kittens, dogs, cats... That's right. Stay safe. We make it as affordable as possible. So come on by and see us. Uh, How about some pet news? All righty. First up is a story about a wonderful German shepherd who was given up by her previous owners because they had to move to a place or a new place that didn't accept certain breeds. It's really unfortunate and it's all too common, but Sadie found a new home with a man named Brian Not only did she show her undying devotion and thanks for his love by never leaving his side while he battled COVID-19, she also managed to save his life. How? Well, as part of the fallout from his COVID-19 experience, he developed a blood clot that caused him to have a stroke in the middle of the night. Sadie was immediately with him. All he could do was grab her collar, and between her pulling and him pushing, he was able to get out of the corner he was stuck in and get some help. Yeah, that's pretty amazing stuff to be it's honest with you impressive man yep that's that's uh that's how it goes with pets man they love you and they want to show you that i mean especially they hadn't been together that long and been maybe six months or something like that yeah and that's even more impressive we were talking about that a little bit i don't know you know i'm a shepherd girl i'm a dog girl but this story i just love hearing stories like this because it makes my heart feel all warm inside like not only are they there for us emotionally but they can sense yeah. when something is wrong with us physically and literally save a life. So yeah. it's pretty cool. Fantastic stuff. Well, let's move from that to this next story. Uh, New Hampshire politicians who think their pets can crash the bill discussion Zoom party better think again. They might be facing some repercussions, namely not getting to have those pets in the room anymore. After Representative Anita Burroughs, Katz, Yoshi, and Jack made surprise appearances in the House Commerce and Consumer Affairs Committee's virtual hearings, a new... No pets rule was adopted. Uh, But it seems that given the representatives, cats, dogs, and kids have all made their way into hearings at some point, it might just be too tall in order. Quote, that's part of the life we're living right now, and pets are part of it too, Burroughs said. For me personally, it's just calming having my animals sit next to me so I can pet them, and it doesn't distract me in any way. I'm fully attentive to what's going on. She goes on to say, I can try to keep my cats off the screen. Keeping them out of the room is going to be impossible. Here's what I have to say about this. 
These politicians need to come to PRCKC for a day. Yep. And because see what it's like. Now it's not just out in the clinic on the admin side. Our, our coworkers bring their pets every day. We got Maisie, Zero, Lily, Lola, Zulia. Mm-hmm. Yep. We Azazel have... sometimes, Zep, my pets. So. And it is not quiet, let me tell you. And yet we get work done. Important work. They're just not dog or cat people. Yeah, I think somebody's got something, some some kind of problem. I think now they're just trying to find something to, <laughs> to pick at. Because <laughs> this seems really petty. Yeah. But it's okay. It's all right. Hey, look, you know. They is it final? Way. Or were they thinking about it? I can't remember. Um, I think it's final in that committee. I don't know if it applies to the rest of the legislature, though. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We're all for bring, bringing your pets to work or having them in your Zoom calls. I say once we're all back together again and could be in the same room without any problems, uh, we should just bring our pets everywhere. Seriously. Yep. <laughs> all right. Let's go talk to Morgan. All pets hold a special place in our hearts, but there's something about fostering one who needs a little bit more TLC that people just can't get enough of. That's why on the show today, we have Morgan Salisbury, foster coordinator from Wayside Waves, to talk to us about how fostering saves lives and makes us better humans. Morgan, welcome to Pet Resource Radio. It's so nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So when a new pet comes into the shelter, what are some of the reasons why they make a good candidate for a foster home? There are so many reasons why we might consider foster for an animal versus living in the shelter. But the most common reason is that that animal is not ready for an adoption home for various reasons. So this could mean uh, that they're underage, nursing with a mom, maybe their bottle feeds, or maybe we're working on specific medical or behavioral concerns in a foster home before making them available for adoption. And then from there, do you just kind of do a little matchmaking and try and find the right foster fit for them? What types of things do you look for when it comes to picking out a foster parent or home? Matchmaking is so incredibly important to the foster process. And while it may take some additional time initially, I think it saves everyone time in the long run. Before sending any animal to foster, aside from underage animals like puppies or kittens, we'll behaviorally assess them and make sure they're appropriately medically up to date for their age. This will give us kind of a basic understanding of that animal and help us match them to foster parents. And so about how long do they stay in a foster home or is it really just up to the pet to kind of let, let you know or let the foster parent know when they're ready to be adopted? How do you know if they're ready? Uh, we actually keep a record of all of our length of stay in foster and other little data tidbits to help us plan for the future of our foster program at Wayside. Uh, our data in the past year obviously has been a little different due to COVID and how that's affected fostering as a whole. But our current average length of stay in foster is approximately three weeks. However, as you stated, length of stay in a foster home varies based on the animal's needs. Underage animals typically only stay in foster until they make weight and are eight weeks old. However, many adult animals will stay in foster until they're adopted. And we don't have a specific timeline for our long-term adult foster animals. They can stay in foster typically as long as it takes for them to get adopted. For example, my current foster camel has been with me on and off for a few months. 
And so what are some of the things you and your staff or even potential owners, are there, what are they able to learn about a pet through fostering that you might not necessarily know just by seeing them or meeting them at the, at the shelter for the first time? There is so much that we learn uh, for when animals go into a foster home or any sort of home environment. I always tell my foster volunteers that any home information is good information, even if it isn't traditionally, uh, quote unquote, I would say good behavior, because every tidbit of home information helps us understand the kind of family that would work best for that specific animal. Uh, As an example, again, my foster camel, she can't live with dogs or cats both of which we wouldn't have known unless she had been in a foster environment where we saw that specific behavior. However, she absolutely adores every single person and child she's met and, you know, has not had any other issues with people. So her ideal home would be a family with no other pets that just kind of wanted a really cool dog to chill and hang out with them. There have also been many times where we send a stressed, high energy, somewhat behaviorally deteriorating dog or cat to foster just to give them a break and they almost immediately settle into a home, lose the extreme stress behaviors that they show in the shelter. And we're just able to really get to know them in a home environment versus the shelter environment. We see so many animals in a shelter environment, but it's hard to truly know them until we see them outside of that with people around just different things that you wouldn't get to see in a typical shelter environment. Exactly. And I have to add that Camel is adorable because we are friends on Facebook and I follow Wayside Waves and she is literally the cutest little thing. It's a girl, she right? Just, yeah. She just got an adoption hold and I'm very, very excited. Yay. Yes, I'm hoping this works out for her. So you have tons of experience fostering pets. What does it feel like being able to watch a dog or a cat flourish and transform into a completely different pet once they're out of the shelter environment. Is that, would you say that's why people can never get enough of fostering? They always keep going back? Um, For sure. I worked in Wayside's foster department now for almost eight years. And in that time, I fostered almost every kind of animal that you can think of that, you know, you would typically consider for fostering. And still, every single foster situation has been unique and every animal has taught me different things. Sometimes all it really takes is giving an animal a chance. And to me, that's kind of what fostering is all about. Let's talk about foster fails. So how often does somebody actually end up falling in love with a pet and adopting it as their own? Uh, I mean, so often, all the time. But I personally, (laughs) I I love it. I've never had a problem with fosters adopting. Um, In fact, I try to incentivize it by giving our fosters discounts on adoption fees if they adopt their foster animals. And I would say that we honestly have very few fosters that have fostered long term that didn't eventually adopt one of their fosters, myself included and many staff included. And so do you have a foster story that has touched your heart or one you'll never forget that you'd like to share with us? This was (laughs) it was really hard for me to choose because so many stand out and I've been doing this for a very long time now. Um, And I kind of called a lot of my foster volunteers to talk to them to see uh, if they had anyone. And of course, everyone had someone, but we kind of settled on a dog named Harry, who was a more recent foster. So uh, we know just more about him since he's kind of fresh on our minds. Um, He was transferred to Wayside from a shelter in Texas, just as a four month old puppy. 
one of the most fearful puppies I'd ever seen or worked with. And we really didn't have any other history on him other than him being transferred in from Texas to explain his behavior. He went to three foster homes and back and forth from the shelter. And eventually, one of our behavior staff, uh, Brett, developed a super close relationship with him and completely devoted herself to working with him and eventually fostered him herself. He was with us for, I want to say, almost an entire year, maybe a little over a year. And he was in foster with her for a very long time. And we, when we eventually made him available, he had quite a few people interested in him. But due to his very specific behavior needs, it was really hard for us to find a home. Eventually, he had a pretty big health scare after eating a toy and he needed an emergency surgery. Oh, no. He was okay, but we that's when we found out because we took x-rays that he'd been shot at some point because he was absolutely riddled with buckshot. Oh, wow. Um, which is absolutely heartbreaking because that means that happened yeah. sometime in his life before he was four months old, before he went to the Texas shelter and before he came to Wayside. So he was just a puppy, which is absolutely heartbreaking, but it helped us understand his behavior better and why he had this absolute fear of people. But yeah. uh, you know, as we were talking about foster failures, his story had a happy ending because Brett actually adopted him after his emergency surgery. She just couldn't imagine giving him up. And it's really, I feel so lucky to be able to continue watching his growth with her. And in my opinion, there's nothing quite like watching a very fearful dog just learning how to dog. And he got that <laughs> chance because Brett gave him a chance. And I just think that's a really, really cool thing to be able to just be an outside observer for and just watching him like play with toys and go outside and go on walks and learn all these things. And that's a really, really cool thing. I want to go back because you made a good point. You said that he went through three foster homes and I just kind of wanted to put emphasis on how it's okay that maybe not everybody home is a good fit for that pet. Uh, we, we want to make sure that the match and foster is working for both the foster volunteer and the foster animal. And it's okay if it's not a good fit. Exactly. I always, I always tell my foster volunteers, uh, you know, we're here to help you to give you support and we'll never be upset at you. If you call us and tell us, Hey, this just isn't working out because in my opinion, even if a foster returns to wayside, it's still a win-win for that animal because one, we're getting more home information. We understand this animal's needs mm -hmm. much better and, and two, you know, this foster volunteer it was still able to help this animal. We still know more about this animal. We're still going to be able to help this animal. But sometimes we have to be flexible and we have to recognize that not every situation is going to work. And that's exactly. okay. But what are some of the qualifications to be a foster parent and how would one go about becoming one? Uh, we try to make it as easy as possible to become a foster volunteer. Thankfully, we have really incredible donors and supporters of Wayside that help us provide all the necessary supplies our fosters would potentially need. But I also recognize that most people have families, they have jobs, they have lives outside of their volunteer work. So I wanted to remove barriers that would limit anyone's ability to become a foster volunteer. Uh, we have a simple application online that potential foster volunteers would fill out. And from that application, we will contact them to discuss the foster program and schedule a foster orientation. Due to COVID, we're currently only doing virtual orientations. But outside of COVID, we'd have a monthly open orientation for people interested in becoming fosters or just anyone that really wanted to learn about the program. 
And outside of the monthly classes, we'd also schedule one-on-ones if someone couldn't make the monthly class for whatever reason. Our foster orientations go over all of the basics of fostering, what to expect, uh, what their responsibilities would be as a foster, and what our responsibility would be to them. And once they've attended that, they would sign a contract that all of our fosters sign and they're added to our volunteer database. And really, they can start fostering right away. Yeah, and I think there, just by by you saying that, that you're, you try as hard as possible to eliminate the barriers is almost very similar to what we do here. You know, we believe that every pet, or not every pet, sorry, everyone deserves to have a pet. So from your perspective, it's almost saying everyone deserves to be a foster parent, whether or not they, say, have access to all of the resources or whatnot. For sure. We have a lot of families that can't actually own a pet. They don't have the financial resources to have a pet. Um, they're in school, so they don't have the time to have a pet all the time. And so being able to foster is a great substitute for that where they're still helping animals, they're helping their community uh, without the full responsibility of owning a pet. And so I think that's really cool that we're able to provide that service to somebody while they're also helping us and doing a great service to their community and the animals in their community. It's, it's, it's a relationship that's definitely worth uh, creating and maintaining with these people that desperately want pets, but don't exactly have the resources to do so. And what are some final tips that you would give to a new foster parent or someone who is thinking about trying it out? My biggest tip for fostering is to probably start off with realistic expectations and to recognize that every animal is different with a unique personality and needs. Also know that it would take that specific animal likely at least a week to understand their new change in environment. And sometimes it might take even longer. Try something easier the first time you foster and then gauge what your limitations are and go from there. Also, like we said before, don't be afraid to ask for help. That's why we're here. And if it's not a good fit, let us know. We're always able to take an animal back. And ultimately, it's still a win-win for that animal because now we have more information to help that animal find another foster home or an adoptive home. Fostering consists of some trial and error, especially in the beginning. And that's completely okay. And to wrap things up, it's not only important for the pet, but also us as people. So what are some of the things that foster pets can teach us? This is, this is a tough question in some ways because I think the answer differs from person to person. That is true. Fostering teaches us to be patient, uh, to love without condition, and to ultimately let go of that love. I think fostering gives us a glimpse at humanity's best side because it's something that is done with almost, without almost any reward. Fostering can be hard. It can be heartbreaking. And it can be incredibly exhausting looking specifically at my bottle feed fosters. Thank you guys so much. But (laughs) somehow it is worth all of those things when we get to see that animal we loved without condition, find a home that they may not have otherwise found without that foster home. And I think to most of my foster volunteers, that's reward enough for their efforts. And that's why they keep coming back. When I want to foster, when I get to that point, I'm definitely going to hit you up. But for everyone else, um, go over to their website, check out their foster program page or tab, and then that'll put you in contact with Morgan here, and she'll get you all set up with with a little 
foster puppy, kitten, dog, cat. They're all puppies and kittens, but <laughs> both. You are, can, sorry, go ahead. You can also email. You can also just email foster at waystidewaste.org and that'll send Tyler and I an email as well. If you're having uh, problems navigating the website for whatever reason, and uh, we try to make sure someone's there every day, so someone would get back to you pretty quickly. Well, perfect. Now they know what to do. Thank you, Morgan, so much for being on the show today. We miss you around here. I will come back and volunteer soon, I'm sure. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. It's been a lot of fun. This winter has been brutal, not just physically, but emotionally. Several staff members have had to say goodbye to their beloved furry family members recently, but there's one in particular that struck us all pretty hard, and that's our friend Eileen, who left us recently after a battle with cancer. We've talked about her before on the podcast, and that's because she was as much a part of the team as anyone else. Rescued from a breeder who was going to put her down because she only had three legs and couldn't be sold, it was nearly impossible not to fall in love with Eileen. From the moment we all met her, her sweetness and enthusiasm for everything and everyone she encountered was infectious. Every time you saw her, she was wide-eyed, excited just to be around people, and people were excited to see her. We looked forward to seeing her come in with Jamie every day, and you always knew she was coming because you'd hear her panting and prancing on three legs to get who, to who, you know, whoever was closest. She was only a little over a year old, but she touched so many lives in her short time here with us. We love you, Eileen, and we miss you. And while Eileen holds a special place in our hearts because of her circumstances, we have several other staff pets that have left us recently. Leto, Boomer, Tally, and Wilma have all crossed the Rainbow Bridge, and we've banded together as a family to support each other during this difficult time. We're keeping our family in our thoughts during this time, and we hope that wherever you are, you're giving your pets a little extra love. And now we say goodbye to you, friends. Big thanks to Morgan Salisbury from Wayside Waves for stopping by the show to talk with us today. If you're interested in fostering with Wayside Waves, you can find more information at waysidewaves.org or email foster at waysidewaves.org directly. As for us, we're a nonprofit just trying to keep pets and people together through supportive services for folks who are in need, and you can help. Just head over to prckc.org to donate, look at our wish list, sign up for services, and more. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, be sure to rate us and leave us a review. That always helps new people find us. And follow us on social media as well. We're at PRR Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. So until next time, friends, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as the jazz musician Ben Williams said, there is no psychiatrist in the world like a puppy licking your face. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, hosted and produced by Sierra Howe and myself, David Shapiro, written, recorded, and mixed by David Shapiro, music by Hazel Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash Musical Industries. 